Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the month of November. It is Wednesday, November 1st, 527 a.m. Central Time. Mixed trade in the grain markets this morning. December corn futures up one at 479 and three quarters. January soybeans down two cents at 1308 and a half. December Chicago wheat up four and a quarter at 560 and a half. December Kansas City wheat up six and three quarters at 636. December spring wheat up three and a half at 712 and three quarters. Got some crop insurance news to start off this morning. So fall crop insurance prices are set for corn and soybeans. The December 23 corn contract averaged $4.88 in October, a decline of 17% from the spring insurance guarantee of $5.91. This was the largest percentage decline spring to fall since the 22% decline in back in 2013. The November 23 soybean contract averaged $12.84 during October, a decline of 7% from the spring insurance guarantee of $13.76. Indemnity payments are likely to be substantial for many farmers, especially as they relate to the corn crop. Yeah, that's a big percentage decline in corn uh, spring to fall, largest since 2013. Again, so there will be some big indemnity checks that uh, go out as it relates to corn specifically. Uh, the situation, how much money are you going to get if you're going to get money at all? It's dependent on um, a couple of things. The first one would be what sort of level of coverage were you able to purchase for farmers in the uh, central corn belt where you know production is a little bit more stable year to year they're able to buy 85 percent coverage um, there are some premium products where you can even go beyond that if you're outside of the central corn belt and you're in an area where yields are a lot more variable maybe you were only to able to buy you know 75 or 80 percent coverage and then the second piece would be your yields versus aph so the, the situation is going to be uh, highly variable. Our friends at AgView Solutions, Chris Barron and Shea Folk, they were cool enough to make available to our premium crowd their fall indemnity estimator tool. And that was included in this morning's email. So if you guys are premium subs, uh, go down to the corn section. It's just a, uh, a link you click and you can download the spreadsheet. It's a piece of cake to use if you're trying to figure out exactly uh, what sort of payment to expect. As it relates to soybeans, um, there's not going to be as much money sent out unless you had a big yield shortfall, uh, something along those lines. And there were certain areas with big yield shortfalls. So uh, the government's going to write some uh, pretty big checks this year, I think, especially um, as it relates to the corn crop. EIA released its monthly biofuels capacity and feedstock update report yesterday. Soybean oil used for biofuel dropped to 1.197 billion pounds in August, a decline of 6% from the all-time record high seen in July. Despite the decline, soybean oil remains the largest U.S. Bio, biodiesel feedstock by a wide margin. Corn usage for the production of biofuels declined by 3% in August. Okay, I threw together a better chart to kind of uh, illustrate this. So yeah, soybean oil used for biofuel was off a little bit in August versus the month of July. But you can see here the trend is very clearly higher uh, versus the same month last year. This August 2023 print was up 29%. As of January 1st, EIA data indicated that annual U.S. renewable diesel capacity totaled 3 billion gallons, which was up 71% from the uh, same period in 2022. The number of plants increased from 17 
uh, or 217 up from 11, the same uh, period last year. So this uh, whole deal regarding renewable diesel using more soybean oil is absolutely the real deal. And you can see that in this chart here. It's clear as day. And this is uh, a big thing. We talk at length on this show about how the export program leaves something to be desired. We're not exporting what we need to export to hit USDA projections, all that stuff. This is the flip side is that we're going to start. We're already using more of our product domestically, and we need to see this sort of thing uh, continue. And I believe that it will. USDA reported a flash sale of U.S. soybeans on Tuesday. U.S. exporters sold 239,492 metric tons of soybeans to Mexico for delivery during the current marketing year. This is the fourth flash sale of soybeans to Mexico this year, totaling 900,837 metric tons. Slightly better number, better than what we have been seeing. I've still seen no evidence of the uh, rumored cargoes that were shifted from Brazil to the United States. Uh, maybe they broke them up into smaller amounts. Maybe you'll see it in the weekly report. I don't know, but we haven't seen the evidence of that uh, rumored Chinese business. And the market hasn't really reacted as if there was uh, some some big Chinese business that's come to the U.S. Soybean futures have been you know, a little bit better. We're above 13 in this January contract, but uh, not uh, setting the world on fire by any means. So if you guys have not already checked out our premium content, you need to do so. Joe, can you tell me about the video you put together yesterday? Drought messed up my grain marketing. Can anybody relate? I, I think this, like everybody can probably relate to this. Uh, if, it if it wasn't this year, it was a different year. Um, you know, you get into June or July and it's dry. Prices are up, but you don't know what you're going to grow. You're terrified to make sales. How do you deal with this? Uh, Chris Barron was on yesterday and we discussed this at length, both in terms of like how to manage it today and also, of course, hindsight is 2020, but how to manage it in, in real time. And, and we know that that's much easier said than done. Um, if you guys want to see the premium stuff, go to standardgrain.com. You can sign up this morning. Uh, this morning's email is jam-packed full of information. I and mean, we've got links to all of our recent crush expansion videos, the six most recent premium videos, the fall indemnity uh, estimator tool. I will forward you a copy of that email uh, this morning. Just sign up. It's a $50 per month subscription. Cancel at any time. No other fee, no other obligation. Nobody will try to sell you anything else. Just a ton of info direct from us every single business day, guys. China is slated to import record volumes of wheat this year. Despite expanded acreage, China's wheat crop shrank 0.9% this year after torrential rains damaged its crop. China's 2023 wheat imports are slated to reach about 12 million tons, up from last year's record of 9.96 million tons. China has relied heavily heavily on Australian and Canadian imports, but with Australia's smaller crop and China needing higher quality wheat, China is soon expected to import U.S. spring wheat. Traders expect global wheat prices to increase when China ramps up U.S. wheat imports. These traders expecting higher wheat prices, I wish them in, in all seriousness the best of luck. Um, I hope that they're correct because we could desperately use some higher wheat prices. Uh, USDA says that China's wheat crop is going to be 137 million, which would be the second largest on record behind only last year. And even China, I mean, they're at 134 and a half, which is not a disaster by any means. Maybe there's some quality issues here, and uh, maybe that's the deal when it comes to imports. So this is a good thing, and we'd love to see some additional uh, Chinese buying of U.S. wheat. They, they've picked up some SRW wheat, which is abnormal business. Uh, we'd love to see more of that. We'd love to see spring wheat, HRW purchases, all of that stuff.
Later today, the Fed is anticipated to hold rates steady while keeping the door open for additional hikes if needed. The Fed indicated at its most recent meeting that one more rate hike this year might be necessary to return inflation to its target of 2%. Some Fed officials have said if long-term interest rates remain elevated, there will be less of a need for the Fed to raise rates. The Fed will make its rate announcement this afternoon at 1 o'clock Central Time. So effectively, your Fed fund rate is uh, 5.37%. It's a, it's a range of five and a quarter to five and a half, highest since 2001. They're expected to pause here. Uh, there are people who still think that rates are moving higher. Um, we know that the long end uh, rates, like your longer term uh, treasury, the yields there have moved higher. Some people believe that the Fed may actually step in at some point and try to control the long end through bond purchases, which would be kind of crazy. But in, in any case, uh, Higher for longer seems to be the deal. Although, you know something, there are plenty of people who think that the Fed's going to cut next year, which would open a whole new uh, set of problems potentially. So uh, interesting stuff, nevertheless. Uh, cattle market tried to rebound yesterday. Yeah, uh, feeders were down $0.05 cents to up $0.37. Cents. Live cattle were down $0.37 cents to up $0.95. Cents. Uh, one notable fact from yesterday, October live cattle expired at its highest price of any cattle futures contract in history at one eighty three seventy five. Box beef was down yesterday. Choice end, choice end of the day at three hundred five eighteen. That was down $4.10. Select end of the day at two seventy nine fifty. That was down a buck thirty nine. Outside markets on Wednesday, U.S. dollars a little bit higher, stocks a little bit lower. Crude oil is up 85 cents at 81.87 in the December WTI. Pretty quiet uh, outside markets this morning. Have a great day, guys. We'll talk to you on Thursday.